I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 249 and today we're talking about our recent adventures on the Camino Inglés. That's right. Last week, well, kind of this week and last week, we finished our time in our Coruña and to celebrate or to mark the occasion, depending on whether you're feeling sad or happy about it, uh, we walked out of our front door and walked to Santiago. Yeah, it's been a really busy week. We have, uh, well finished up our, our life in Akarunya, cleaned the flat, said goodbye to the landlords and uh, left the keys and walked out the door and walked about another 85 kilometers. Yeah, it was magic. I've always wanted to do that, you know, because the, the ancient pilgrims or the medieval pilgrims did exactly that. They, they closed their front door and they walked to Santiago. And a lot of people do that now, but most pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago go to Roncesvalles or saint jean de port and walk the Camino Frances to get to Santiago. Well, it's not really very practical for us to walk from our home to Santiago, seeing as how we're from New Zealand. But since we'd lived in Akarunya for four months, we thought, well, now's our chance. It's only 75 kilometers away. And uh, yeah, so we did it. Yeah, and we're just about to start Indie Rail, a big Western European train adventure as well. So we've kind of made the first staging post by coming down to Pontevedra, where we're sitting at the moment. Yeah, we planned to record this podcast in a park, but when we pulled out the microphone, we realized that we were out of batteries. Yep. So, you know, inept. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the quiet park was somewhat, well, the, the quiet of the park was somewhat shattered by the uh, the train rolling by as well. So <laughs> it would have been, been kind of quite, quite apt, yeah. you know, because we're talking about Indie Rail. Uh-huh. And there'd be like 40 seconds of uh, mind-numbing pain as everyone's ears exploded with the sound of the passing train. It wasn't train. that close. It was quite far <laughs> away. It would have been like a dull murmur. Excellent. Well, Pontevedra is really, uh, really nice. We've had beautiful weather here. And, uh, yeah, just really enjoyed walking around the old city, stopping in a uh, cafe for a beer. And just a really pretty little place yeah we had lunch in a park well on the steps of a church actually and then yeah walked around the sculpture park did this uh walking tour through the old town which is really nice and now we're back in our couch surfing host's place so uh, do remember to come by indietravelpodcast.com slash indie rail and leave your advice for the places we're going to be going over the next two and a half months it's going to be good so today we're talking about the Camino Inglés, which is a pilgrimage path from, well, it's got two routes actually. You can either go from Acarunya to Santiago to Compostela, or from Ferrol. So it's kind of a V-shaped path. You've got the two starting points and they join in Bruma, and then you've got two more days to walk. So it's more like a V than a Y. Uh, sorry, more like a Y than a V really, isn't it? Yeah, it's more like a Y than a V. Yeah. Um, well, the path that we did was from Acarunya, where we were were staying and that's officially about 75 k's but we managed to make it 85. We have skills. Um, over three days. The path from Ferrol is about 110 kilometers and you do that over five days just because of where the staging points are. Mm -hmm. And that means that because the way from Acarunia is only 75 kilometers you don't qualify for a, a Compostela so you don't get the certificate of completion. If you do the way from for all you do because it's over 100 kilometers so we didn't get one it was a bit sad but we did get our credentials signed and you know it was it was acknowledged that we'd finished the way but no certificate no now some of you will uh be new to the indie travel podcast and maybe missed our camino de santiago trip that we did uh, earlier this year on the via de la plata where we walked from seville near the south of spain 
up to uh, the city, Santiago de Compostela. Um, so I guess we should explain what the Camino is. Yeah, well, the Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage path. The idea was that if you didn't want to go to purgatory, you could do a pilgrimage. And pilgrimages were really popular in the Middle Ages. You go to Rome or Jerusalem, and Santiago rose up in about 800 AD as the other, or closer, <laughs> for most people, uh, pilgrimage destination. And uh, yeah, people walked out their front doors and walked all the way to Santiago, where they uh, got their certificate of completion, hugged the, sa- hugged the saint, or visited his remains, or whatever they had to do, and then walked home again. Um, because there were so many people walking the route, popular paths kind of built up, and uh, pilgrim hospitals and refugios sprung up along the roads. The most popular route then and now is the Camino Frances, which starts on the French border and travels west all the way to Santiago de Compostela, and it's about 100 kilometers inland uh, from the coast. Yeah, the route that we did this time, however, is a completely different one. I guess it's kind of the the lazy Camino, (laughs) uh, because pilgrims would arrive in the northwest of Spain, um, in one of Galicia's two main ports, Sacaruño Ferrol, and then they only had a few days pilgrimage of, of actually walking, to get down to Santiago. So yeah, but they might have walked overland, no, no, you know, no. across all of Europe. You just head to the nearest coast, jump on a boat, and uh, get dropped off. But I mean, if you're coming from London, for example, you'd walk from London to Portsmouth and then catch the, or Southampton probably, you'd catch the boat to, to, to Acarina or Ferrol and then walk. That's why it was called the English way, because that's what people did. They'd walk to the port and then catch the boat and then walk the rest of the way. Mm. A lot of other Europeans uh, used it as well, continental ones. They'd come down the uh, the west coast of the continent to uh, to make it there. So it's not exclusively English, even though uh, even though that would have been most of the pilgrims that uh, came through there. So we did this uh, three-day Camino with very little preparation, and uh, we didn't actually need that much. It all worked out well, which yeah. was both expected and a surprise well i did quite a lot of research online but as always the research online there's just not any information there's information but it's contradictory and you end up not really knowing what's going on so i found out that um, the two main stopping points are in bruma which was about 35 kilometers along the way and then in seguiro which is another 30 kilometers on and that there's an alberga in bruma but no alberga in seguiro our friend had offered us a place to stay in Jerez, which wasn't even on the route, but it was kind of not too far away. And we didn't want to, you know, hop on a, a bus or get her to pick us up from Rumour. So we just kind of readjusted our route so we could go there. And and that was fine. It meant that we um, we weren't staying in any albergues during the, the route, which is quite a different experience for us. Usually at the end of the day you arrive and there's all these other pilgrims around. and We didn't actually see any other pilgrims at all, except for the people we walked with, which was another difference. Usually we walk by ourselves. This time we had two walking companions. Um, one of them was our friend Alba, who we've known since we arrived in Acarunia, because she's a friend of Oliva, who we've talked about a lot. And the other one was uh, Lucia, who is a friend of Alba, and who we only met two weeks ago. So um, it was really cool. Well, let's talk about what we did day by day on the Camino Inglés. Sure. Well, on the first day, we packed up our life <laughs> and walked out our front door. Yeah, literally. After living in Acarunia for four months, we were... Uh, leaving the flat so we had to uh, 
yeah, make sure the house was spotless and do the landlord inspection. But that worked out a little bit differently to what we thought. Yeah, it was quite strange. I got up, we got up early in the morning and cleaned the house. And then I went over to Oliva's house to drop off my stuff. She was looking after a couple of bags for us for the weekend while we were away. And when I got back to the house, the landlord was just walking out the door. And I said, oh, cool, good to see you. Um, I need to talk to you about leaving because we're leaving today. And he said, yeah, yeah, cool. We'll need to call the, uh, the light company, the, the electricity company. And then I said, okay, do you want to come up and do the inspection? And he said, oh, no, no. <laughs> that was kind of crazy. They just let us leave on trust. So. He said, yeah, we, we trust you. They hadn't asked for us for a bond or anything, it, and they didn't even want to check the apartment. They were perfectly was, happy. It was pretty crazy. So the end product of this is that at about 10 o'clock, we were sitting on the stairs of the Church of Santiago, uh, eating a delicious doughy pastry to uh, get us started with our friend Alba. And we left at about 10, 15, 10, 30 in the morning. Now, if we were further south, or if we were walking the uh, Camino Frances in high season, that would be a killer. It would be so impossibly hot. Yeah, we had the advantage of starting from Galicia, but even so, we seem to have chosen the hottest days in the whole year to walk the Camino. We <laughs> really, really hot days. And by really hot, I mean it got up to about 28, 29 degrees on yeah. the second day. So it probably would have been a better idea to start earlier, but only on those three days that we walked. <laughs> yeah. So as we said, the uh, Camino Inglés is a three-day walk uh, when you're leaving from Acarunia. And the first day, I have to say, was not the most enjoyable. No, you have to walk out of the city. And I think with most of the Caminos, when you're walking through a city, there's a lot of industrial area. There's a lot of just concrete. It's not the, the most pleasant. Acarunia is a really nice town, but it's really nice where we were living on the peninsula. On the way out, we really just had to walk along highways. We had to walk mm. alongside the motorway. Yeah. And as always, it was really poorly marked. We had a few scallop shells as we were leaving our area of the city. Then nothing for ages. Then all of a sudden, there was like a, a bevy of arrows. And we were like, awesome. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it disappeared again. Yeah, it was quite funny. The uh, The whole pile of arrows were on like ev- two out of three. Every single light post. Okay, every single light post on the way up a straight road. <laughs> and then uh, it led us into a little bit of farmland, which we walked around for a while and just followed the path. And then we came to a four-way intersection where there was no arrow at all. Like if there was one arrow that I would have liked in the last hour, it would be one here at this four-way intersection. That's right. So then after we managed to just make a random guess and walk across the, the motorway bridge, we met up with our second walking companion, Lucia, and uh, started walking again. Soon after that, we managed to get to, it was kind of like an outside area. It was a, a park alongside the rear, which is uh, kind of the river delta, I suppose. Mm. And um, unfortunately, the, the tide was out, so it, it wasn't the most salubrious of smells. <laughs> yep. But it was a really nice park. It was, and a lovely walk, which brought us to the Church of Santiago um, there, where we hope to get a pilgrim stamp, because... Uh, as we said, you get a, a credenciale, which is like a pilgrim passport, that uh, you get stamped in places along the way. On the longer Caminos, you normally get one at your accommodation every night. But because we were just doing this short walk, we wanted to, to get some more from, from bars and churches and things like that as we went. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. There was no one around, and the mass wasn't going to be until the next day, so we had no luck there. No. And after that, things began to pick up a little bit because we were walking uh, between towns, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just kind of continued. We stopped at a bar 
and um, after a little while we actually had to veer off the Camino because the traditional stopping point is Bruma and depending on what information you get that's about between 30 and 38 kilometers from Acarunia. There's a pilgrim hospital there in Albergue where you can stay but we'd been offered accommodation in Jerez with our friend Yoli who was actually our first couchsurfing host in Acarunia. So we had to change our route a little bit. Unfortunately this meant walking alongside the highway quite a lot uh, so yeah, we stopped in a bar and had a bit of a snack, a bit of a drink, yeah. and then kept on going. We ended up having a lot longer day than we expected. Yeah, it was uh, really high. We were pushed into the kind of low 30s when we were expecting something a lot closer to kind of 29, 30. Um, well, at least that's what we were hoping for. Yeah. The information is uh, pretty hopeless and contradictory. Yeah, our friend Yoli uh, had told us that it's 22 kilometres from Acarunia to Hervez, and that's true if you're going by highway in a car. <laughs> yes. It is unfortunately not true if you're going by foot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, it was a long day, but uh, Yoli and her mum more than made up for it, showing us around their, uh, their kind of farmhouse with the garden in the back and the, uh, the chickens in the barn. It and, was amazing. They really, um, really looked after us. Yeah, um, with a wonderful selection of homemade spirits and, and liqueurs. <laughs> As well, I was thinking more of the homemade tortilla and the the, the salad. The yeah, croquettes. you would. You would. It was delicious food and homemade wine as well. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was really good. They've got some grapes in the back and they make wine out of it. So I think it's an aunt. You always said it was a tia that did all that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So the next morning we were off again, uh, the four of us, and uh, yeah, it was uh, once again a little bit of a tough day, and we made some decisions that were good at the time but ended up having to be reversed yeah that's right we started off by going to a bakery just up the road it was sunday so we pretty much had to buy our food where we could get it and that was really close to home so we bought some zorza empanada and the the baker threw in a couple of loaves of bread for us as well which is really sweet of her then as we went along we decided to make our way back up to the camino it would have been faster to follow the the main road but it's always better to be on the marked way because it's, it's a bit more authentic and also you know that you're going in the right direction. However, as soon as we got back to the marked way, we followed an arrow to the left which took us down a farm path which dwindled into nothing after mm. about, I don't know, about 600, 700 metres. So it was, it was significant. By the time we got back to the road, Alba was flagging. She'd had a problem with her legs. She was really exhausted. Mm. And she was going to have to leave us at the end of the day anyway because her nasty boss wouldn't let her have the day off on, on Monday. So she decided she, she needed to, to leave us. And she called her dad and her dad said, well, we'll meet her, that he would meet her in Misson de Vento, which unfortunately wasn't really on our route, but we no. decided to, to take her there. And the ironic thing was about two hours before we had come to an intersection where we could go three k's along to Misson de Vento or three k's in the other direction to more quickly rejoin the Camino. And uh, so we ended up doing a, a big triangle um yeah. which we added you know, a good two to three k's onto our day yeah and the day totaled up at 36 kilometers it was a long one so but it worked out okay because after after alva's dad picked her up he bought us a drink which was really nice we had a good chat we we kind of picked up our speed a little bit and after that actually as soon as alba left the terrain improved a lot we had a lot more forest paths so it wasn't so hard on our feet and we passed through a lot of really nice little towns 
Yeah, I think that part uh, was some of the best terrain that we had uh, that afternoon. It was really lovely. But, but there were no fountains. Yeah. The day before, we'd had heaps and heaps of fountains. It felt like every kilometre or so, or sometimes every 500 metres. But this time, we were thirsty. In fact, we had to go into a bar and ask them to fill up our water bottles. Yeah. Of course, we, we also bought something. We got them to stamp our credentiales as well at the same time, so that was good. Yeah, and there was uh, very little shade, and the temperatures that day were definitely Sweltering. up in the 30s. It was it was hot with the uh, sun reflecting off the road when you're hiking. And uh, so it was... Emotionally, it was much easier than other Caminos we've done because, uh, you know, it's so short. Day one's fun, day two's a little bit, and day three's your last day, so you're finishing. Yeah, but, we had a really long day on but, day two. But I can imagine this day two being a real emotional killer if it wasn't the penultimate day. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that evening we were staying in, where were we, Seguairo? Mm. And we had to stay in a, a hotel because there was no Pilgrim Albergue. And it was, it was nice enough, but we had a room right on the road. It was really loud. Luckily we could get a triple room, so that made the cost a little bit cheaper for all of us. And uh, we just had a nice dinner in the, in the hotel bar. Yeah, I mean, by the time we got there, we didn't have the energy to do much else. All of us flopped down on the bed for about 15 minutes and barely moved. And That's then we right. dragged ourselves off to the showers and uh, got cleaned up. And we could just about make it down the stairs oh my goodness. to go and get a feed. Going down the stairs was difficult, definitely <laughs> difficult. Yeah, it was a, a very long day and it felt like a real achievement to... Uh, to finish it, and also to finish it in, in good spirits. Mm -hmm. The next day was really great. I think it was the best day of the whole Camino because the first two-thirds of the walk, the first 11 kilometers, was amazing. We were walking through forest. We had shade all the way. I don't think there were a lot of fountains, but it didn't really matter because we had full water bottles from, from leaving, and the whole day was only 17 kilometers long. We took a break after 11 kilometers just in a, in a bus stop, and as soon as we left that bus stop, we walked into a an industrial park. They call them polygonos industriales. You know, it's like an industrial polygon. It's quite a weird name for it. And after that, our feet immediately started to hurt. Mm. Because, you know, when you're walking on a soft forest track, your feet, you don't even notice them. You don't even notice your feet. But as soon as you're walking on asphalt again, oh, they really started to complain. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh... You know, it was kind of a shame, I guess. I think this is what uh, a lot of people feel as they're coming into Santiago after their Camino, whether it's only three days like the Camino Inglés that we did here, or whether you've done 40 days from Seville or 25, 30 days from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. When you're coming in, it's really tough because like any city you're walking through the the industrial outskirts the residential zones and there's little things that kind of lighten lighten you up maybe a monument or a, a green park or something like that but it's really tough on your feet hitting it all is. of these concrete paths and asphalt and walking on the road again and so um, and for some reason the markers all disappear <laughs> we, we've always got lost coming into Santiago we've always lost the way we've always found yeah. our way because it's not too hard it's a big cathedral in the middle of the city but <laughs> yeah you walk towards the biggest church yeah but you know it's not necessarily on a hill so um, we, we managed to get a little bit lost well no, we just lost the way and, and had to find our way back again then when we arrived, we'd wanted to go to Mass, 
and we thought the mass would go until one o'clock. So we arrived at about 20 to one and we were like, awesome. So we took a few photos and then went to go in and security stopped us. They said, no, people are coming out. And that was it. But luckily we hadn't missed the Potofumairo being swung because it hadn't been swung. So we hadn't missed out on that. And instead of waiting to give uh, the statue of St. James's hug, we just went straight to the pilgrim office to get our stamps. Sadly, because we'd only walked, well, technically we'd only walked 75 kilometers, but our GPS said 85. It was a little bit different. Yeah, adding on 10Ks over three days is, is quite something. It's significant. So in order to get your certificate of pilgrimage, your Compostela, you have to have walked 100 kilometers. And the route from, from our Carinia just isn't, isn't that long. If we'd walked from Ferrol, then yes, we would have got, I think it's about 120 or 130 kilometers. It's five days rather than three. So they just stamped our, uh, our passports and, and let us go. It was quite sad. I don't even know if we get registered. <laughs> oh. And then uh, Lucia's boyfriend came to meet us. He'd come down in the car to pick us up, which is very sweet of him. We went and hugged St. James, visited his remains, and then went out for lunch. Yeah, there's a place called uh, Manolo's Restaurant uh, or Manolo's House which is a bit of a pilgrim institution, really. Yeah. Um, they've got a $10 menu del deal with... Nine. Nine euro. Wow. Nine euros, um, which I might always, be $10. I, I always buy a carafe of wine. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just really good they have about quality, six, good six quality food and a, a lot of options no, maybe there. eight. They have about eight options for the first course and about eight options for the second course. There's always a lot to choose from. It comes with uh, water, but not wine. You have to buy the wine separately, unfortunately, which is probably a good idea because they're really catering to pilgrims, and pilgrims tend to know how to drink. So that was the uh, the Camino Inglés. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Camino, we've got a few podcasts on site, one on planning for the Camino de Santiago and others on the Camino... Um, I think we... No, we have done one on the Camino Frances and uh, another one on the Camino... Well, the, the Via de la Plata, which runs from Seville North. Yeah, we're hoping to do all of the Caminos in our lifetime. So probably the next one will be the Camino del Norte. Mm. I think that one sounds really interesting. Yeah, that one runs uh, through the Basque Country uh, along the northern coast of Spain and then uh, drops down through Galicia. Yeah, that will be really uh, good. Yeah, that will be good. And I have a plan because we probably will go oh back to Icarunia. You and your plans. I like plans. I know we don't always keep to them, but I'd like to do the Camino Inglés again, but this time I'd like to get recognition for it. So if we go back to Acarunia and spend another few months there, we could leave Acarunia again but catch the boat to Farol, just like the ancient pilgrims. You know, they always arrived by boat. And then we could walk to, to Santiago from there. What do you think? That might work out quite well. Yeah, I think so. It's only five <laughs> days, you know. <laughs> well, I think that's going to be us for this week. This podcast has been recorded between Pontevedra, where we started, and now in Porto, where we're finishing. It and, was quite uh, funny. We were in the middle of recording, and our couch surfing host came home, and we thought, you know, it would be impolite to keep working while he was at home. So instead, we, we, we chucked it in and went out for a drink of wine with him. <laughs> yeah, so we left you hanging for a week, and we will apologize for that. Right now, um, we've just finished our TVU conference, which has been awesome. It's been really good. Yeah, it's been really neat meeting a whole lot of interesting people and uh, sharing lots of ideas. And, uh, well, tomorrow we've got a, a little trip attached to that, but we're also making it the official start of Indie Rail. So by the time you uh, listen to this as we publish it tomorrow morning, um, Indie rail shall be upon us. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that we're probably not going to travel by rail 
to get from Porto to Lisbon because it turns out it's a lot cheaper to go by bus. Oh well. (laughs) (laughs) That's independent travel for you, right? (laughs) But we will be focusing on rail travel for the rest of the trip, we promise. Now remember, if you can add to our itinerary, it goes something like Lisbon, then Faro, then Dusseldorf, then um, Berlin. Berlin. They're going to be the places that we'll be in before we speak to you again. Um, maybe. I don't think we'll be in all of those before we speak to them No, again. probably not, but they're the most they're urgent. The they're, they're the ones we're looking at right now in the, the next couple of weeks. Um, do come by the site, IndieTravelPodcast.com slash IndieRail. And uh, then after that, we'll be in the Czech Republic, in Austria, Croatia, Slovenia, Italy, um, back into Spain. We'll also touch on Monaco, Andorra, and San Marino. Yay. So we want your advice. We want yeah, you to add we to do? our itinerary. Come by IndieTravelPodcast.com slash IndieRail and uh, tell us what you enjoyed or what you've dreamed of forever and you think we shouldn't miss. And don't forget that you can keep the Indie Travel Podcast day travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash hostels and slash whatever else you can think of. There's probably something for you to click on. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.